Hey, what's up everyone? This is Dr. Hanur Singh. I am a physical therapist, yoga instructor, and movement practitioner. And you are listening to Movement with Noor. Um, so I think the very first experience of dance I had with you was with actually Kate where we got to do a style of dance. I don't know, it starts with the H. What was it? Humbo. Humbo, right. And uh, within it was so much play. It was a lot of laughter. I know you dance a lot of different styles, but that right away gave me a little bit of a taste of like some of the things that you really enjoy about dance. Um, do you mind just giving a, a brief uh, background on what are some of your experiences in dance and uh, what excites you about those experiences? Yeah, sure. Um... I grew up in Appalachian folk music and dance community, mm. um, so all community-minded, um, and I think you know every culture has some dance where the point is not to be a professional dancer, the point is to be in community and move with everyone, um, so it's about the collective experience, and usually, ideally, has live music, and there's that interaction too, but yeah, grew up with just this huge community of people who wanted to move together and not be perfect and not be the best but be in it yeah i saw some videos last night with you of that is mm -hmm. that what we were watching yeah. appalachian appalachian yeah. how do you say it appalachian appalachian mm -hmm. can you define that um so the appalachian mountains okay um, is a mountain range that stretches from georgia up to maine um, wow i've always said appalachian that's okay we don't judge you oh my goodness <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I just yesterday was talking about the faux pas of saying break dancing in the last podcast yeah. and how like, I was like, it's okay if you say break dancing, we don't judge you. <laughs> uh, but that, right now I'm finding out the mountain range that runs right near my home. I've been mispronouncing. That's right. Okay. So, so it's Appalachian. Appalachia. Appalachia. Or Appalachian. Yeah. Okay. Appalachian. Mm -hmm. And so it's a style of dance within that area it's it's an umbrella yeah so okay. generally folk dance that i mean if we're real about it a lot of the dance that is in appalachia and when people say especially like in the south it comes from a mixture of celtic and english and then enslaved peoples who also were around that area and like you wouldn't have like appalachian clogging styles without the like banjo which was brought from africa you know oh wow um or like, you know, tap dancing, which just all, it's all mixed in together. Okay, um, so it's an umbrella term for a number of style of dances. Yeah, so it might be clogging, it might be like rapper sword dancing, it might be contra dancing, it might be square dancing, it might be English country dancing. Okay, it's, okay, yeah. I'm, starting, I'm starting to catch some terms. And I mean, contra dancing is the video you were showing me last night, yeah. and then square dancing. I actually don't really, really know what it is, but like I... I think that's maybe one of the more popular ones. Yeah. At least I've heard of it. Like yeah, clogging, yeah. I haven't heard. And then sword rapport? Rapper. Sword rapper. So rapper is a style of, it's called sword dancing. Okay. Um, but it's an English ritual dance. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of this comes from paganism too. Okay. Um, but uh, a ritual dance where there are generally like five or six dancers who are all holding swords together. They're called swords, but they're actually like bendy metal um, pieces with handles on each end that spin okay. and people use them to wick sweat off horses and that got turned into a dance where each person is holding on to a sword on each side that someone else is holding on to and you're doing a clogging step the whole time everyone is in sync 
And wow. then you're doing formations where you're spinning through and turning under and flipping over. Um, it's a whole world. <laughs> yeah, th th this requires at some point another yeah. video tonight. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I, have, I would say the basic tenet is there's live music. It's a group of people all moving together. There's a caller mm. um, and contra dancing and square dancing. Mm. Um, and everyone's doing the same thing at the same time. Yeah, and that's what I saw in the video too that you showed with the contra dancing. There was this community that was moving and um, I didn't know there was a caller. That makes a little more sense because I was like, I guess these are steps that everyone has memorized in an order, but right. it sounds like a caller is a person who announces what the next step is going to be. Yeah. Okay, how does um, that go down? Yeah, so and actually my mom's a caller. Your mom's a caller. That's how I grew up in it. Oh, wow. Um, and so, yeah. You <laughs> wow, you're integrated. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, so, yeah, you have a caller on stage who walks people through the dance without any music. So they'll say, all right, everyone take hands, circle left, four places, um, you know, chain diagonally to the right, um, you know, ladies chain. They'll walk you through all the steps slowly, and then they'll say, all right, let's do the dance. And the band starts playing, and the caller, in time with the band, will prep each. So, like, two beats before they'll say partner swing and everyone swings and that eventually people get it in their brains enough the caller will call through maybe like five or six times through the dance and then they'll stop calling and people have learned it and oh, can wow. dance on their own do they do it in a rhythm the caller like yeah. is are they like Absolutely. almost like rapping yeah totally that's what i would imagine um is like they're, they're doing it on rhythm saying it beforehand and it it has a melody in itself, the calling. Totally. And singing squares is a whole other thing. Oh, wow. So square dancing where literally the caller is singing as they're calling. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, in the video that you showed me, there was live instrumentalists. There, it looked like a guitar player, a banjo, and an accordion. Mm -hmm. was, that, uh, was that the three? Uh, fiddle, accordion, and guitar. Okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so uh, there's definitely that element of it too. And I remember at one point they... The musicians stopped playing and then they came back and it was like like a beat drop moment like I was just like whoa like the Celtic I, beat drop yeah the Celtic <laughs> beat drop and I was like yeah. I could just see how like because you know they the, the musicians took that pause with such serious like ecstasy like they're like silence and bring it back yeah, and yeah. like like I, I, I've gotten to feel a little bit of that through music and so yeah I, I just loved that how it was a fully integrated experience between the community. I didn't know there was a caller. There's a caller, there's mm -hmm. the music. And so that's where some of your starting ground was. Yeah, so I grew up doing that. Um, my mom's a waltz teacher, so I grew up learning waltz from her too. Mm. Um, yeah, and just generally partner dances. We have dance camps that happen throughout the year. Um, communities all over the country, all around the world who are into folk dance in general. That's where a lot of different folk dance worlds meet. So there's maybe some contra dancing, maybe some waltz workshops, maybe some swing dance, um, maybe hambo, like what we did. Oh, Scandinavian wow. folk dance is a whole other world. Yeah. Um, international folk dancing, where people will do, it's a circle dance, and everyone's in a line, like maybe holding hands or holding like just a finger, um, and everyone knows the steps. Those are ones where the song starts playing, and everyone's like, oh, this one, and it's super complicated footwork and pauses and... And what style is this? Um, it's the Umbrellas International Folk Dancing. Oh, so it might be I like see. some Israeli, some Greek, some like Romanian. Oh, wow. Um, and that's usually not partnered. There can be some partnered dances, but it's a lot more, people would say, not line dance in the country sense, but like everyone's in a circle in a line and moving. Together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
Okay, so I'm I'm hearing all this, and the first thing that comes up in my memory is ballroom styles, right? Where they have like, well, what I mean by that is mm-hmm. ballroom style is an umbrella term for uh, like a number of styles, including waltz, including tango, right? Mm-hmm. Am, am I saying that right? Yeah. And then you're saying there's this other umbrella, international folk dance styles, that sounds like it has its own community and own gatherings. Um, are are those like similar to the ballroom gatherings? Because that's my only experience is mm. going to gatherings for ballroom styles. Yeah, I would say nothing I do is ballroom style. Oh wow! Okay. Because it's just social dance. Okay. So ballroom style is much more about like. You do your box step waltz, and when you're waltzing, you turn your head away from your partner, and you have this like really formal structure. That's and all I know for waltz. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. So there's also social waltz. Oh, I and, didn't know that. And everything that I have learned has been just through folk process, through community, through someone being like, "Yeah, I grew up like waltzing with my dad at the end of the dance." So it's a lot less formalized, um, and no one competes in it. Oh. So. Maybe at some of the swing dance events or some of the blues events, we'll have competitions. But in general, the goal is social dance and improv. Yeah. And not choreography. Yeah, and that really surprised me this morning when you asked me to waltz because I only knew it in the most formal dimension sense. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, hmm, like, you know, we're hanging out. And then you're like, oh, can we waltz? And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, we can. Or that's what <laughs> I thought. And I, I had an image pop up of like what I know of the waltz, which is this really rigid frame right and uh there's there's no looking yeah (laughs) like i'm constantly looking in one direction and the girl has her head leaned back exactly yeah in in her direction so yeah so that's interesting um so your mom taught that and you grew up doing waltz and then contra dancing Mm -hmm. where does uh some of the other stuff come from I, i know there's so many chapters you've touched in dance yeah um my stepmom was puerto rican Oh, okay. And so I started learning salsa from her. Hmm. Uh, and that was, I think, my first exposure to partner dancing also having an aspect of creativity. Because the thing in contra dance is, like, it's accessible for everyone. Anyone could walk in off the street and not be a dancer, and they can move in a circle. You know, hmm. it's not about where you put your foot at a specific time. Hmm. And so salsa was the first time I was like, oh, there's technique here. Like, you have to spin a certain speed and, like, know the particular steps. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just such a fun puzzle to learn. Yeah. Um, and then I was introduced to blues dancing in college. Um, and that was the first time that I had ever been told that I could be creative as a solo dancer. Mm. Um, and there's just so much history with blues. And that's a whole other umbrella is there's so many styles of blues. Right? There's like Piedmont, Chicago, um, Texas, and all these different styles that it's also, it's colloquial dance. Um, and... I think that was the first time that I really felt confident moving as a solo dancer. I'd always moved in community and as a part of a bigger dance, but that was the first time that I was like, oh, I can be creative. Yeah, so you're saying blues is another umbrella term. Mm-hmm. It, what, what? I, I can't imagine it when I'm just thinking of it right now. Like what, I guess what I think of is tap. Is that under blues or is that a completely different? Different, but related. Oh, yeah. It's also African vernacular, so it... All of those movements generally stem from African movement uh-huh. rather than European. Yeah. Which generally I would say, huge generalization, but African movement is um, moving laterally, like moving your hips 
um, horizontal to the ground, and Western is more upright. Okay. Um, I see I, what I you're saying. You no, no, <laughs> yeah. I see what you're saying just from some of the demonstrations this morning. Yeah, are you, yeah. How you got lower to the ground right. when you were moving. Yeah. And then showing the upright positions mm -hmm. that could be found in dance as well. Um, so well, I guess uh, just to dial in for a moment, you yeah. were talking about how uh, tap and, um, and some of these other genres all have African roots mm -hmm. attached to it. Uh, I find that really interesting because like, Whenever I've seen tap growing up, mm -hmm. I, I rarely have seen it presented with some of those roots. Like yeah. I see it usually like uh, I've gotten to teach at a ballet studio for a bit. I taught hip hop there. And so I, I would shadow some of their tap classes. Um, and I know nothing of tap. I know a buffalo. That's all I learned <laughs> in that whole yeah, experience yeah, yeah. of tap. Um, but uh, yeah, so I... I when that was the picture I had of tap mm -hmm. was um, it was in the countryside so uh, it was a ballet studio mostly Caucasian women yeah. and they're all doing um, you know rhythmical work with their feet and that's what I consider was tap right. and uh, I think my first experience of having that challenged was uh, when I went to um, like a celebration of Africa event yeah. and there was a tap performer there and I was like oh I had no idea What's um, She's cute, huh? <laughs> so I guess like what what's uh what what was your experience? Did you get to dance uh, any tap? Am I? Or I did was... a little as a kid, but I'm definitely okay. not an expert. Right, right. right. Yeah. So you so you've done blues, and how how did you get the chance to like learn some of the history? Because I know that history is a big part of your movement experience in general. Like if you're uh, whenever you're moving, you love to understand the roots of the movement. Yeah. Um, uh, can you talk to me a little bit just like about some of the history because we talked a little bit about the history of contra dance of blues yeah. and uh, like I guess just like how in general it's important to know the history of the movement as you learn movement yeah um, so I found out about blues in college and when I was living in Asheville North Carolina after that I found some blues events that were happening um, nearby and that was my first exposure to what it looks like in community. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it was mostly white people, mm -hmm. um, which really blues used to be the thing that black communities would go out and do. That was like how people partied mm. like, earlier in the 1900s. Okay. Um, and then it became less popular, like any dance fad, you know, like people will go out clubbing now. Like mm. that's, that's kind of the version of like what social dance looks like. Right. Um, but at some point later, um, white communities that were doing swing dance, which also was taken from black communities. Right, I didn't know that. Right, um, were like, what's this blues thing? Like, we want to do that too. Yeah. And, and kind of had this renaissance where all these white communities were like, this is so cool. We want to learn about it. We want to do it. Um, but there wasn't really a history of it. Like, and you know, it was like an oral tradition, right? Yeah. So it had just kind of died out. So then there was this dig into like, well, what recordings do we have of people doing these dances? And mm. what did it look like? And it's been a really slow and painful process for the blues community in this country of people being like, oh, I found this one video of like this one black guy doing this dance. Like that must be the dance that's done to this music and trying to have integrity with the history of a dance. Oh, wow. And then discovering later, like that was just like one movement that someone did. And then you decided that was the history of it. Right. Because you yeah. had no other context than like 
the one video that was made by a white producer who asked some black people to dance so they could make a documentary, you know? It's like, uh, it, it's trying to undo and rebuild. Yeah. And so it, it comes from like, a, it's just hard. It's With, hard. It's hard yeah. without it starting from the building blocks. You're trying to re revisit the, right. the history and see what, what did you miss? Yeah, and even with the best intention, it's messy. It's messy. <laughs> and it digs That's into a, a lot of like, how did we get here and why is that how it went down? And you can't not talk about <laughs> the history of racism in this country without that. But yeah. I think it's an incredible opportunity because so many dancers, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all just dancers and we all just want to move. And if you're curious about someone else's dance and someone else's culture, you have to engage with why you might not know it right. and how you came to it. So right. I was on a blues troupe in Denver um, when I lived there, the Rocky Mountain Blues Troopers. And half of our work was training and learning and practicing, um, you know, putting together choreography to perform. And half of it was, what is the history of what we're doing? Right. Right. Like we're a troupe of, you know, 10 people who found this. We didn't grow up in it. Mm. Um, rarely do people grow up blues dancing anymore. Right. Um, so how do we have integrity when we're performing? And how do we continue to like push people to be like, wow, what is that dance? Like, how did you find it? Yeah. What don't people do anymore? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I know that like, um, I me getting to show movement, like in workshops and concepts like that, like I, I can always do better of, yeah. of teaching the history. Like it's just something that like, I, I definitely stay mindful of and try to be involved in, but it's one of those things that I know I can always do better personally. Um, I think it's interesting because I, I often see, like, at times people wanting to engage, mm -hmm. um, but then when the history of it gets a little messy, they, they don't feel interested in learning the history. And I, you can almost, like, uh, the culture that I'm thinking about is just, like, the hip-hop culture. Like, those, the, the people who are invested in learning the history, you can almost see uh, the difference in, one, their character and respect for the practice, yeah. and then two, also just how they move while they move through it. Um, and it's like one of those things like, like maybe you do, you're, you're uh, what, what, what did one of my coaches say? He said, you can fool the audience, but you can't fool the players, mm. right? And so like uh, for the people who are, who know the history as well, and they see somebody who's like presenting the information, there's like a deep respect for that person yeah. um, versus like uh, for somebody who might be uh, less in tune with that aspect and then they try to show the movement. You can almost like it, like the players will know yeah. that, the, that there's a, a mirage being set forward, that there's some level of disconnect to the experience of movement. Yes. Yeah. You're reminding me of a really important moment we had as a troupe um, when we were learning the cakewalk. The what walk? Cakewalk. The cakewalk. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's a style of blues okay. that's been revived. Um, and the movement is super fun. Um, it's this really energetic, like full body, kind of like prancing almost. Oh. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to describe it without showing you. Well, um, I'll, I'll say the words almost in itself kind of depend <laughs> the, the, the cakewalk. Yeah. So I, I already have like. I mean, just by those words of like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But tell me about it's, it. So. Yeah, so it's it's this real showy. You like get super dressed up. You might have like a parasol. And it's it's like a parade. It's like a fancy soul train kind oh, of thing. Oh, okay. Um, and so we're learning this movement, right? And 
the blues troupe is practicing, you know, how to make it look aesthetically right, and we're all playing because it's fun. And then we're watching this documentary about what Cakewalk really is. Oh, man. <laughs> I can only imagine. And uh, plantation owners would tell their slaves to dance, um, and they would have different plantations compete. So the owners would be like, you and you, you're going to represent our plantation. So wow. go dance, go perform. They'd get them all dressed up in like the you know white person's clothing they had. And the slaves would compete, um, or enslaved people right, um, right. would compete. Uh, and whoever won would get a cake. Oh, wow. And it was this, like, entertain us. And it wasn't even their dance style, you know. It was like, we just, we want you to, like, be showy. Yeah. Like, be over the top. Um, it's a super fucked up. Just, like, we want to be entertained by these people who we don't think are human. Right. Um, and they had to do it. And so, later, enslaved people actually turned it around, and they would do cakewalk on their own in their own communities and like make fun of the owners who had made them do it. Wow. Um, and it was, it was reclaiming it. That's right? awesome. No, I, and yeah. there's a theme in this, yeah. I feel like in, in general uh, of that concept of reclaiming and where it comes from in this history. Right. Uh, but continue. Well, just, but if you don't know that context, right. And then me being a white woman, like goes up in front of people and starts doing the cakewalk. I feel like if I'm just learning it and I'm like giggling and playing with people and I don't have that gravity behind it, I would feel real fucked up. <laughs> yeah. You know? No, so. for sure. And I, I, so I taught the workshop yesterday and I meant to say it, but I didn't get the chance. And a lot of it is because my own personal disconnects with the history. Some of those locomotion patterns, I don't know about the crab, but the ole mm -hmm. comes from capoeira. Yeah. Right. So like when, while we're integrating them as coordination exercises and getting to show it as a way to just embody the the form of the movement, like it it it's something that like um, I'm moving through it. I'm enjoying it in the safe space of my living room right now. These patterns and laughter with friends. Yeah. Um, but like you said, like there's history behind it, and like uh, the history of capoeira is uh, equally messy as some of the things that you were just saying. Yeah. Um, where there, there's just involved, like, uh, from, from my understanding, like, there was this uh, caporista or, or practitioner of capoeira, I think I said that right, but mm -hmm. uh, where he said, like, you're, you're not dancing capoeira unless you've had your hands chained. He's like, that's when I know you're, like, a true capoeira dancer if you've had that experience. So, like, like me getting the chance to want to dance and practice capoeira uh, playfully, like, uh, it it comes with a uh, responsibility to to engage it respectfully and fully like yeah. uh like uh i think like i've i've had experiences and i've been that person where i've wanted to say but let's just get through the movement like uh, like enough about the history yeah. um so I, I i i see how like for some people who like might be listening to this they might be thinking like well, what's all this? What like what's the importance of all this? Um, what are your thoughts on that? I guess like have you ever gotten a show and then like wanting to explain the history, but more people are in love with the movement itself and not really mm. invested in learning the, the background of it? Yeah, I think you said it exactly. We have a responsibility, mm. um, and I think if we're ever in a a role um, where we have authority and are guiding an experience for people, they don't get to choose. 
You know, like you get to be the person who says, this is important. Right. Learn. Um, and I think you have to, you know, this is when you get to mold it and shape it so that they'll be receptive and so that it lands. Mm. Right. And so you're not just saying like, well, don't move, like don't dance. Like you, you know, you're doing it an injustice. Like it shouldn't be that. Yeah. Right? yeah it yeah. should be, we're going to be here and we're going to show up and we're going to try. And that means we have to engage with it. Right. And so I think the biggest question for me in any movement that we're pursuing is, and I think that's the difference between appropriation and like trying to work through how to move forward yeah. um, in an aware way is like, who's benefiting financially? Mm. Um, and are you taking the opportunity to educate and to grow and to push people to talk about things that are difficult? Right. Um, in a way that brings people in to address it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. It, it's just making me reflect a lot on, like, when when I get that authority, how can I respect it? Because I, I teach often, yeah. you know, and it, it's something where hearing just what we're getting to talk about and reflecting right now live, uh, me getting to experience, like, not only the responsibility of being a student, but the, the doubled responsibility of being a teacher yeah. and, and showing any of it. Um, like, and this one's just so embarrassing that like I I I'm I don't even like I'm struggling right now to even tell the story. But I remember I made this poster when I was uh, early in uh, getting to show different dances of hip hop, and uh, I've stopped teaching hip hop dance styles because I just I haven't been in touch with it as much. I know that like there's if I'm gonna teach it, I have to be a student at the same time of it. So I'm starting as a hip hop dance teacher. I make this poster. And it says, uh, like, uh, eclectic hip-hop dancing uh, w workshop or dance styles. And it, it names the styles. It says popping, uh, locking, house, or whatever. And uh, I write breaking and top rock. And one of uh, so, some Philly head who's, like, involved in the community says, uh, top rock is under breaking, by the way. And that's the only thing they write on the post about it. Yeah. And I was so <laughs> embarrassed. I was like, oh, my God, like like a true practitioner of the style. Right. And that, that goes back to the quote, like you can fool the audience, but you can't fool the players. Yeah. And like that person, like like in a in a way, just checked me, helped correct me, so that like, you know, I'm I'm early in this. I get the chance to know that like there's there's great gaps in my knowledge and yeah. they just pointed it out and like I, I, I already just can feel some <laughs> of the cringiness of that moment. Uh, maybe like similar to what you were saying about the cakewalk when you learned yeah, some yeah. of the background of it. Um, so yeah, like uh, we talked a little bit about uh, some of the backgrounds in your dance styles. Um, I was surprised to know that you don't have any like major foundations in classical styles like ballet because uh, just some of the movements you were doing even this morning, like, like uh, when I first met you, that was one of the terms that I had in my head to describe you was this person was probably classically trained because of just how much composure mm. you had over your body. It's not the long neck. Oh, it might be. <laughs> it might be the posture too. Yeah, yeah, but like yeah. the overall composure of like how you hold yourself upright. Yeah. Uh, it usually reminds me of classically trained dancers, but it, it. This is like my first time getting a thorough understanding of your history right now. So, it's really exciting to hear that you're able to develop such a deep connection to your body. Um, not through just classical styles. Yeah. Um, what What's that experience been like of self-discovery of your body through dance? Mm. 
I think, loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it feels, I mean, I, I just quoted this recently. Um, Heidi Pribe uh, has this quote about, we spend so much time talking about, you know, health, like make sure you eat the right stuff and like make sure you work out and make sure you have work-life balance. But we don't really talk about like, what is the thing that makes you feel wide awake and alive and excited mm. to be in the world? And I think dance has been that thing for me always. Yeah. Um, it just, I'm so drawn to it and it feels like when I'm the most alive and most creative and most myself. So finding different styles of dance has just been this like, just constant like, yes, more, teach me, I wanna learn it. Yeah. Um, that threw me for a loop when I found that out because I met you as a climber mm -hmm. and an acro yoga practitioner. Yeah. So I met you doing acro I met you climbing, and uh, probably there were some other movements in there. But So when I asked you to do this podcast, I was like, hey, let's talk about, I, I said climbing, and you were like, oh. And I was like, <laughs> <Okay>. oh? <laughs> I, was like, I thought that was like your topic. You're like, no, it's dance. And I was like, what? Like, I knew you danced, but I didn't know that this was like something that you really feel wide awake for. Um, well, and that's, that's why I fell in love with climbing, too. Um, yeah. Is... I mean, obviously being outside is stunning and beautiful and getting to travel to all these amazing places is a draw. Yeah. But also the first time that climbing really felt integrated in my body was this moment where I didn't know how to get to a hold. And I thought, okay, well, what if I try this dance move where I like stick my leg around behind myself and out to the side and it was perfect. That's exactly what I needed. And I was like, it's like dancing on a wall. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, Turns out it's a back flag, but... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I want to talk more about dance, but just a yeah. quick uh, diverge. Uh, I loved when you were talking about... I've, I have very limited experiences in outdoor climbing. I have two. Mm. But man, were they beautiful. Yeah. Like, so beautiful in the sense that, like... So my experience, uh, the second one, I got to uh, climb with Rai. Uh, mm. Yeah, he brought me out <laughs> at 5 a.m. It was... Oh. Me and some of the POC crew. Do you know yeah. he climbs at 5 oh, a.m.? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He climbs at 5 a.m. Like, I think either every weekend or so daily. Much. Yeah, for it a It could be daily. <laughs> yeah. But, he, like, so I'm here in Philly for the weekend. I'm traveling, and he hits me up, and he says, let's do a 5 a.m. climb. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, 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 like, for sure. Mm -hmm. Not knowing, like, uh, the whole process of waking up at 5 a.m. Mm -hmm. But one, that takes dedication, sure just does. getting up at 5 a.m. <laughs> to go climbing. Yeah. So we get uh, to this area, and it's my first time like uh, doing real outdoor climbing, mm -hmm. and we have to like do a little bit of hiking, mm -hmm. which blew my mind that like we have flashlights yeah. and we're we're going on this hike, and I was like, oh, like I get to hike in the process, and then um, we get to this area. He's doing all the rope tying, mm -hmm. it's top rope climbing outdoors, and. Uh, like, I, I don't know much about that process. I was just at the bottom, at the mm -hmm. base, like, having a good time. But I guess, like, what, what, what makes me think of this experience was uh, two nights ago or the night before, you were talking about uh, this uh, going to Yellowstone. Like, is that what, what the area you were in? Like, saying, like... Oh, I didn't love. go, but a friend of mine. Yeah. But you were just talking... I guess you were painting the image of somebody, of a group of people who may not get the chance to climb like what that experience could be like to go climbing outdoors seeing the stars at night camping yeah and like the whole experience and 
I think like uh, I've gotten to talk about climbing often with like other mm-hmm. guests, um, but like uh, I guess just like that's something that really uh, surprised me was how much more it is than just the climbing aspect of it, like yeah. the hiking, the camping, the it can be like a, I mean, and you can take it to any level you want, but right. like like I just I just think that that wow, it just was so fun getting to experience all of that. Do you have a, yeah. a lot of outdoor climbing experiences? Yeah, that's how I got started. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you started outdoors. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a different game. It really is. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about <laughs> it, like um, some of the experiences of your outdoor climbing. Um, wow. Well, I think, first of all, anyone who's climbing in a gym needs to get outside at some point. Yeah. The The gym is its own beautiful opportunity, right, where setters are getting to give you this incredible like I want you to move in this way right they're getting to teach you techniques with every climb you do yeah um but there's nothing like being outside and just getting to be in the trees and that's you know, the trippiest yeah like yeah. the trees were there <laughs> and like there's so much uh like knowledge on even just like weather patterns that climbers yep. know they're like oh like at this temperature the rock is going to be a little more slick right and like this is a and this one climber was explaining to me the different types of rocks there are and which yeah. ones are better to climb. And I was like, oh, my God, so much knowledge and culture that I don't know much about. Right? Yeah, it's the perfect dorky outlet. People are, like, sewer in, into, like, geology. And, yeah, know, yeah, Like, yeah. cloud patterns. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ropes, like, like, not tying, you know. It's, right. Yeah. It's really integrated. <laughs> like, like, not tying is another thing that, like, fish hooks. Is that what you were showing me last night? Uh, Clovich. Clovich. Yeah. So, the, like, just so many different types of knots, and then, like, also, like you said, like, cloud patterns, and just the the practice gets so wide when you yeah. get involved in that. And and not just for the fun of it, too, like, for safety. Yeah. You know, like, you need to know if you're climbing on sandstone, because if it rains, you, you shouldn't climb on it. Mm. <laughs> like, gear will give out if, you know, so it's, yeah, I think it's it's another way to be really engaged and and really wide awake yeah you have to be so in touch with the area you're in um and the history of it yeah to climb there yeah yeah so i want to bring it back now to um some of your experiences with dance and i guess that question that like i was asking it um generally like like how has it been to get in touch with your body through dance and you were Mm -hmm. talking about it you becoming wide awake doing it um I guess I also wonder physically in like in the capacity of you learning new movement. Yeah. How has it been having such a deep background in so many practices? Cuz that's the first thing that I like why I thought you were classically trained was cuz you had this poise to your body. You you were picking up patterns very quickly and like I've gotten to show you some movement and you're you're so quick to grasp. Um so quick to grasp some of the elements, the ones that are more dance-like. Um, mm-hmm. th- does it feel like it's helped you getting to practice so many genres of, and styles of it? And like, what what's that experience like now having that in your body? Yeah. Um, it feels like being a sponge. Yeah. <laughs> like a Rolodex sponge. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, same with you. You know, everything you've practiced is integrated into everything you learn and everything you do after that. Um, yeah, I think it, and it feels like 
getting to have depth while constantly being a beginner. Um, and I think just learning physical movement is one of my brain's favorite things to experience. Yeah. Like yeah, in, in, a, in, any, any, in any context, like yeah. whether you're good at it or not good yeah. at it. Yeah. I think it's what you were talking about yesterday too with your workshop. Mm. Just that engaging your brain in learning a new physical movement um, is amazing for your brain's development and like staying sharp. Yeah. And, and that's a, a clarity and a sharpness that I feel anytime I'm, I'm moving. Yeah. I'm learning a new movement. It's just, yeah, total presence. And I'll say, I mean, I think that's why I love dancing and climbing so much is I'm fully present. And I think for a lot of people, we have this constant noise and this constant like hamster in a cage, just like going from thing to thing. And, yeah. you know, considering the messed up world we're in and, you know, what you're going to eat for lunch. And, if you know, it's just um, movement practices like that, I think, can really bring you into center. Um, and we all crave that to some degree. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's really exciting to hear because I feel like um, it's interesting because a, a lot of the things that you're talking about seem very deeply interconnected. Like mm. even uh, just in the last podcast, like um, the person that I was interviewing, she was talking about climbing as being her expressive nature. Mm -hmm. uh, the the counterpart was gymnastics, where it wasn't as expressive for her. Yeah. Um, and then I said, oh, that's interesting. My expressive nature is more of dance. Mm -hmm. And I, I find it fun that you get to do both and integrate both. And opera uh, yoga, too. Yeah. Same with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I want to bring it, uh, we talked a little bit about your background. I want to bring it to uh, not complete present day, but uh, further along in your dance journey where you got the chance to dive into Kizomba. Mm -hmm. And you introduced it to me this morning. Yeah. So like, I mean, like you introduced it to me earlier. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think this was the first morning I started understanding it more. Where you uh, were just like at an event, me being like, "Hey, it's three a.m. You want to do Kizomba?" Yeah. And that that was the experience. Like, uh, yeah. we went clubbing, and then you were like, "There's a Kizomba after party. Let's go." Yeah. And okay, so just to describe what I loved about this after party. Yeah. Um, I loved the age group. Like that was like something that stood out right away was that it wasn't just like 20 year olds going clubbing, 30 year olds. It was an entire spectrum. Uh, and you could see like uh, elderly dancing with younger and younger dancing with elderly. Um, everyone had a reason to dress up. Yeah. Uh, the DJ, I, I think he wasn't only playing Kizomba music the whole night. He was, oh yeah, it was a mix. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah. Kompa, some samba. Yeah, totally. Wow. I mean, uh, the, the, whole, the whole environment was just flavorful. Uh, I wish I had better, I wish I had even as much as we had shown, you shown me today yeah. before I went to the event, because I was trying to use my past background in dance to dance with people, <laughs> yeah. and there was just like this like rhythm mishap. Like I just couldn't catch their beat. Mm -hmm. And today you were explaining the whole, uh, what did you call it, the back end of the beat? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, when when you said that, like I flashed back to that night. I thought of how many moments I was like, why can't I capture this <laughs> beat? And when you were explaining how like we were landing softly at the back end of the beat, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was that was uh, like super new for me. Mm. Uh, take me through your experience. Like, what what what's it been like? I know it makes you wide awake. Yeah. Like zumba is something that really brings a lot to you. Mm -hmm. um... The first time I ever danced Kizomba, 
uh, was in a, a dance studio in Denmark, actually. They have, we went to a Latin dance club and uh, the friend I was visiting was like, hey, you wanna go downstairs and try Kijomba? Mm. What is that? Tell me. Yeah. Um, and the first time I tried it, it was just like, it felt like coming home. I know it's cheesy, but it was like, this is what my body has wanted to do. Like, I mean, before you even danced it, just the music you were saying also made you feel. Hmm. I think, yeah, definitely like the music is channeled through your body as you're dancing. And mm. so it's just hearing the music. I can't not dance. Yeah. Um, but which is also weird because it's from Angola, right? So it's not coming home. I've n I didn't grow up with that music. Mm. Um, nothing I'd experienced before. But I mean, I think everyone and my mom will say like music and dance that have African roots is just like it hits a chord in humanity where we're like, yep, that's <laughs> what yeah. I want to be doing. Yeah. Um, so I, I tried to find it when I came back um, to the US. In every city I lived, I was like, all right, I have to find Kizomba. And I think it really just became more globally popular in the past like 10 years. Yeah, um, more so accessible. More accessible and like more people teaching it, more people mm. talking about it, um, more events. Um, so I finally found, I found four instructors here in Philly. Um, and wow. That must have really meant something to Ugh. find Yeah. Find it. And I, I never look back. Yeah. <laughs> so they're amazing. And and the communities here are incredible too because we do have dance communities all around Philly that yeah. are deep into it. I mean, and like real quick, they were like, We're gonna travel to New York to meet up with our instructors because like they have a whole nother take. Um, but there are also Angolan communities of people who live here and have grown up doing it. And yeah. so you know, getting to go to an Angolan culture night um, where we all got to be like, oh, this is what it looks like when someone who's danced it their whole life, you know, comes to dance here. Wow. Um, it's amazing. And you wouldn't, I mean, I couldn't find that in every city, you know, so I feel really lucky to be here too. I could cry. I know. That, that's so beautiful. <laughs> no, it's so, I mean, like, it's so beautiful because it also shows the the ability to tap in to community like like there's something like uh right now i'm setting up some movement goals um and the one thing i wrote is i want to learn a real movement language that like um like i didn't want to like tap into something that was like new age and kind of starting i wanted something that had depth yeah. and that if i went to another city when i tap in there's practitioners there so yeah. like like uh, with Kizomba to find it now here and like develop deeper your connection with it, you get to go to another city and if you find Kizomba there, then all of a sudden there's a connect. And um, yeah, I just find that like that, that's something that maybe a lot of uh, practitioners don't get the chance to dive into, yeah. especially if you're like just caught up in, uh, I guess, solo practice I usually think weightlifting, but I know there's weightlifting communities. Like I, I sure. want to say, like yeah. if you're a power lifter and you get to meet another power lifter, like right. there, there's a lot of excitement in that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, but I guess just like general uh, gym training with headphones in and no no real connect to the practice. Like you can't yeah. go to another gym and feel like, oh, I'm really a part of this community. Mm -hmm. um, but it, that that's what like was bringing tears to my eyes was just that you got the chance to like experience this and then tap into that community and start developing deeper and then 
like it became like you were saying more than dance you're getting to experience some of the angolan culture yeah. the food the the ways that um people have the holistic experience of it yeah and i think you know what you said about being in community and and weightlifting in particular too i don't know a lot about it so this might be totally off mm. but i think there are some practices where the goal is to perfect the form mm. the goal is for everyone anywhere you go to be doing the thing exactly as it's been taught like a deadlift um yeah 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 and i think the thing that really struck me about kizomba um and about blues too um is the goal is to be as much yourself as possible yeah and there's still training i mean you're still you know you can learn moves you can learn styles um but the goal is for you to get out on the floor and be exactly as yourself as you can be and do something that people have never seen before um and i think so subtle yeah like <laughs> that kind of community where the space is we all want to come together and do this dance we love so that you can be the most yourself that you've been is just it's unreal yeah yeah thank you for sharing Ray uh, mm -hmm. a couple things come to mind uh, I just want to repeat a couple major terms like yeah. that way people can like YouTube it yeah uh, so we say Kizomba can you spell that K-I-Z K-I-Z-O-M-B-A cool Kizomba so that's something somebody can just look up and get to see a video of it and like that way they can at least have like a, a little bit of an understanding of what you're yeah, so Talking yes with it. an asterisk. Yeah, I can, I can sense <laughs> yeah. that. What do, what do you mean by that? Um, which is actually why I fell in love with my instructor so quickly, because okay. they were like, mm, before we start, we're going to talk about some history, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. where Kizomba comes from, um, what it's become, because generally, if you go to YouTube and look for Kizomba, you're going to see Urban Kiz, which is a more modern version of people. It's like, it's like the difference between blues and fusion, where blues dancing is this, like, really treasured rich like cultural history mm. and then people were like oh cool like what if we play with it in this way and like do a little modern thing which is great mm. it's just different and so urban kids and kizomba are you know attached in that way but a lot of people conflate them and so urban kids is much more like stops and starts and edme and like body isolation and the music's different yeah um so i would say look for like angle and kizomba Mm. Um, and and you can and there's a whole music history too of of like you can listen to the music and be like oh is there a live singer like is it all just beats made by a machine, um, yeah it's a whole world yeah yeah it and it's one of those things that like the first thing that comes to mind for me is like dive in love it respect it and uh, do the work yeah because like, the, the with the play comes some of the work too mm -hmm. um, like uh, one of my teachers like. He d he would never. I would ask him, "What's the purpose of this exercise?" He's like, "Oh," or like I would say, "Can you give me some research papers that actually explain why we're doing this exercise?" He's like, "No, no, you can find them." Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. "He's like, do the work." And cool. I was like, "Oh," and then I had to get on Google Scholar and start reading. And so yeah, I'm I'm happy that you just stopped me from like oversimplifying mm. the process to watching a YouTube video, but instead being involved in the work. Yeah. Um, and so, there, are, there are communities all over the country, too. I mean, obviously, in pandemic, you can't go take classes, but... Yeah. Yeah. You can find instructors anywhere, too. Right. Right, right, right. Not anywhere. In most big cities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not where I grew up. Yeah. Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Well, not definitely not, but yeah, like, 
Um, yeah, Charlottesville, Virginia doesn't have Kingsway <laughs> either. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to, like, well, my, my original intention was, let's name a couple of things that people can YouTube, but yeah. you know what? Uh, let's start the work off with, you can reverse the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you can write down the terms yourself if, if you're interested. Uh, that way, you know, you get the chance to at least know that there's some, some level right. of work involved. Well, uh, and, and the thing I'll say, too, like, just for people doing their own research, is Kizomba is a family dance. Mm. Like, you'll see a grandmother dancing with her grandson doing Kizomba. Yeah. And it's and it's sensual and it's intimate and it's this beautiful like yes women can move their hips but it's it's not meant to be sexy and i think as with a lot of dances people see dancers and they're like oh it's so sexy like that's the whole point yeah but kizomba really is about expression and creativity and play and so when you see that in a dance that's that's the authenticity that i think is really important to find yeah I like everything you're telling me about Kizomba. It just keeps giving me flashbacks to that night, cause I, I that's that's what I was talking about with the age was like mm-hmm. there wasn't like a, like you were saying just the the, the sexiness of it, yeah. but instead like the grandmother and the grandson getting to dance yeah. together. Um, but yeah, oh go ahead. But you have more to say. One more thing. You go great. ahead. Say it. Say it. Is that any gender can lead or follow? Oh wow. And. That's something that I've practiced my whole life with my mom as the first role model. She's yeah. an incredible lead. Wow. Um, and just moving through the world of partner dance, it is still really heteronormative. Right. You'll like still, male and female, male and female. Yeah. Um, yeah. No room for anything in between. Right. Um, everyone gets gendered binary. Um, and so many men who, oh, I don't, I don't follow. Yeah. Right. And it's like, well, if you have never followed, I don't really want you to leave me because <laughs> yeah, yeah. you don't know what it's like. <laughs> right. Um, so it's been really cool to move through dance communities where that's not the norm. Yeah. And and try to figure out, especially in Kizomba, like I'm already an outsider coming in. Right. I'm one of just a few white people. So I don't want to walk in and be like, um, let's talk about the gender spectrum. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but finding space to be like, hey, I really want to lead. Um, and this community actually has been so receptive to that. Wow. Um, and even at, at a, an event in New York, you know, I had these two guys. I, I was leading primarily, um, leading mostly women. And then in succession after an event, it was close to the end of the night, these two guys came up and were like, can you lead me? Yeah. I saw you leading and I, I love how you move. Like I want to, and I think that space is really cool to see happening in partner dance yeah the, oh man okay um we're coming to the end but yeah. i want to follow up too um so i i had this experience where my first uh partner dance instructor uh tanam balancora man this guy was um i one i just if if you ever get the chance to hear this podcast i miss you tanam but um, <laughs> like so he was my roommate and he taught me bachata mm-hmm. and i was uh, just like in awe while he was leading me. Yeah. And um, I knew right away that there, the importance of being a follow early on in my partner work. I was like, oh, there's no way I'm going to only learn one side. Because yeah. I saw the best of the best knew both. Yes. So I was like, I'm going to yes. do both. So whenever I would go to even intermediate salsa classes, I would always go to the beginner one and follow. And uh, yeah, I, I know. I love that. And, well, what, there's a funny story with it where I was a follow at a beginner class, and uh, we, in salsa classes, they usually switch partners yeah. in a circle. 
And every time I got to this one guy, he mm-hmm. would have to go to the bathroom. And I was yep. like, I was like mm-hmm. this guy doesn't want to lead another uh-huh. man. And um, one, I'll say that like getting to dance uh, salsa with and bachata with my first instructor, Tanam, like there was nothing more like uh, connecting, exciting. And I get it's not for everybody, but like even getting to do it with as a follow, it was it was just so important to be involved in that process. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm happy that you brought up that like, those are some of the terms I prefer to use instead of, because uh, I sometimes accidentally just uh, use synonymously like mm-hmm. female mm-hmm. instead of follow. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, oh, the girl's fun. Yep. Like I won't say the follow was fun, right? Um, I'm glad you're changing that. I'm trying, yeah, for sure. Um, so I think I said it earlier in the podcast too. I was like, and I, I caught myself when I said it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I think that's really exciting that Kizomba has uh, already some of those elements that let people experience the full spectrum of dance and not not like this person gets to experience this spectrum and this mm-hmm. person gets to experience that spectrum. Um, yeah, that there, there's more I'm sure we could yeah. say. Is there more you want to say? No, that's an endless conversation. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> there's always more. Um, Okay, I guess one thing, and not to oversimplify it, but like somebody who wants to get involved in dance, like, uh, like, or they might say the term, I- I'm not a dancer. Mm. Um, maybe just like from growing up, like yeah. being ridiculed by yeah. dancing or like, like uh, there, there's been a barrier put in their place. Um, yeah. And they might even get, not even get to this point in the podcast because, you know, like, <laughs> like, uh, I just yeah. imagine because like uh, the podcast title will probably be like dancing with Rachel. Mm. Right. And so like, um, I can, I guess just some people get turned off by the term. Totally. Uh, like what, what are your thoughts on that? And how can we like create like a more loving space where people realize they don't have to be good or like, what does that word even mean? Good. Right. Yeah. Like, like what? What are some thoughts that come to mind? Oh, so many. <laughs> well, you got two minutes. <laughs> two um, minutes to, to educate yeah. the masses. <laughs> um, I think humans are meant to move together. And dance is one of the most natural things we can do together. And just like you were saying yesterday, too, you know, if we don't move, if we're not taught to, we start to die. Like that movement, it atrophies. Yeah. It's harder and harder to do it. Um, and it's the same thing with dance, is we've been told, like, oh, there are dancers, and then there are not. And you see it in different cultures, too, right? That's why everyone's like, oh, white people can't dance. Oh, my god. <laughs> we've just goodness. been telling ourselves we can't dance this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I think a lot of people are afraid, because they think they have to be professional. Um, but I would say moving in community is one of the healthiest things we could do. And it doesn't even, maybe you're not a dancer, maybe you're a musician and you play for dances. Um, Wow, I want to say so much about that whole white people can't dance. That's so sad. <laughs> it's to like, so sad. That's so, it's so sad tragic. to like, to just like like you said, like a whole culture is apparently bad dancers, and that's actually something I have to uh, help a lot of my friends through. That that just happen to be white. They they say like, that's like where I hear it the most. Oh, I can't right. dance, and right. I'm like, like uh, not not they don't say I. But I have heard that actually, even oh, yeah. in specific, like, oh, I'm white, I can't do that. Right. Like, like I'm just going to be a white girl. I, right. I was like, this has nothing to do with that. Like, that's just not even in the realm of, like, 
what it means to express yourself and enjoy your body and enjoy music using your body. But at this point, it kind of does. Like, right? a, like, in general, you don't really see white families dancing together. Yeah. You know, there aren't. And, and part of it, yeah, I mean, it's a whole. It's a whole I know, thing, I know. And I, I, I want to even talk. Yeah. Like, oh, man, there's so much I want to say. Yeah. All I'll say is, in summary, when you showed me those Contra dance videos yeah. in the beginning, I actually thought, oh, this is so nice to see white community dancing. Mm-hmm. And that was like one of the first things that I thought of because I, I just, I never saw that before. Yeah. So like, and like, I'm sure that's what a lot of line dancing is. And like what friends have probably told me to. Sure. Yeah. They, they've told me about line dancing and I just never really tied it all together. But like just in the perspective of this whole podcast. Um, right. Well, and I think, yeah, unco- I remember a friend saying in college, um, it was, I was in a Balkan singing group where we were having this feast as a, as a singing group and we all make toasts and it's a Georgian tradition. That's another yeah, conversation. Another conversation. But, but someone made a toast to recovering the healthy aspects of various cultures that have been now lumped into white as part of white supremacy, which is then this like, we are all this, obviously there's so much that's problematic, but kind of a like, white people can't be good or like we can't celebrate culture without being colonizers um Mm. and i remember my friend just being like there is some beautiful culture that comes from people who have been now named white yeah and there's beautiful like croatian dancing Mm. you know that is still alive in some places um and i think dance is one of the best ways that i mean and even in white you know typically white communities that do these folk dances there are some conversations that have to happen about how those developed and whose names aren't being said in that culture, but seeing a whole bunch of people moving together, like it's worth it to work through that. Yeah. And it's there if you look for it. Yeah. So I think in this podcast, we talked, <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. Yeah. I, I think what we talked about though, we talked about some of the hard conversations um, very, very gently. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah, was yeah. not the hard part. Mm-hmm. This was super gentle. Yeah. But uh, I loved what you said. It's worth it. Yeah. And like, and that's what I've learned through this practice, like at every level, like sometimes I'll show somebody, um, like the physical work involved yeah. and I, I tell them it's worth it. Like I've, I've seen the process up until this point yeah. uh, where I'm at in my life and everything that I've seen tells me that this is worth it. Yeah. And, um, I'm happy that you, you who's been so involved in uncomfortable conversations, uh, can still feel like that's uh, that like it, it it it's wholesome and it's worth it to go through that process. Yeah, and and it can be gentle, you know, for people who have never like their family didn't teach them to dance, they don't feel comfortable moving in their own body. Um, you can walk into a contra dance and know nothing about dancing. Yeah, it's literally walking. Yeah. It's walking in some circles and some lines and the caller's telling you what to do the whole time. It doesn't matter where your feet go as long as your body stays in motion. You know, everyone's going to help you along if you forget what the move is. Yeah. Um, I think people, we need to revive social dancing in bigger ways than like, oh, I'm a ballroom performer. Yeah. Because social dance is meant to be for anyone in community. Yeah. And as long as people are comfortable being new... You know? Yeah, it, it's something I, I, I used to say often, dance can save the world. And uh, this 
really reinvokes it for me. Mm. Like these moments like this where I'm, I just imagine again, large gatherings with music and people moving and like, like how much healing can be done in that. Mm -hmm. um, thank you, Rachel. Thank mm. you for coming on today. Yeah, thank you. I mean, for the whole weekend. But thank you for coming on today <laughs> and um, getting the chance to just like share a little bit about your journey in dance. It's been uh, so fun to hear like from a, I guess, more linear standpoint, like, because mm. I've heard in tidbits like, oh, I did this, I did that. Um, I still feel like we skipped a lot of chapters, yeah. uh, <laughs> but all in all, I, I really appreciate it.